Good. If you're a guest around here, we are working our way through the book of Exodus and in this series called Off-Road, and this weekend's message is called Four-Wheel Drive. So let's jump in, Exodus chapter 17 and verse 7, Exodus 17 verse 7. And he called the place, Moses called the place Mash and Moriah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Uh, It happened many years ago. I was 16 when I got shot, and it was not a terribly fun experience. Uh, As a 16-year-old, I was a member of the Army Cadet Force um, in England, and because I had a big mouth, they promoted me to be a sergeant, And every year we used to do these military exercises for three days. It was kind of weird. We'd have these simulated battles and we'd have rifles. And obviously the rifles, these 303 rifles, were not firing real bullets, rather obviously. They were firing blanks, which is fine unless you get shot by a blank close up. Sergeant Lucas was bravely leading his troop up this hill. And one of my troop members decided to fire his rifle and shot me in the rear end. (laughs) Thanks for your compassionate response. And I remember I jumped up and said something to him. Like, I say, you just shot me in the rear end, old chap. Something like that. Something like that. I got attacked from behind. As we look at this story, the Amalekites, they were fighting the Hebrews, and they were famously or infamously the people who were known to attack from behind. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 25. Remember what the Amalekites did to you all the way, along the way, when you came out of Egypt. When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. Imagine that. The stragglers were being wiped out by these Amalekites. Now, why this battle? I I, I know I I can see it in your eyes. You're probably not really that interested. You didn't wake up this morning and say, I wonder if we're going to find out about the history of the Amalekites today. I, I get that. 
But it's kind of important to get the context. These were old rivals of Israel. Do you remember the story of Jacob and Esau who went in to receive a blessing from their father Isaac? And in that story, the blessing belonged to Esau, but Jacob tricked his father and stole the blessing from Esau. Get this. The Hebrews were the descendants of Jacob. The Amalekites were the descendants of Esau. So these guys have been mad with each other for a long time. There is a long-standing feud taking place. Not only that, the area where they were, Rephidim, it's still known today as the Pearl of Sinai. It's beautiful, palm trees, very scenic, and it's probable that the Amalekites wanted to keep this territory for themselves. And so there's war that breaks out. Whatever the reason for that war, this is the moment when the Hebrews get their act together. They've been complaining, they've been griping endlessly, but suddenly in Exodus 17, they join together, and it's an amazing day. It's a day of victory. The New International Version says they overcame the Amalekites. I love the King James Version of this because it's so British. It says they discomforted the Amalekites. Isn't that a cool way of putting it? Hello, Joshua. What have you been up to today, old chap? Well, I've been discomforting a few of those Amalekite nasties. You know, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> it's a day of the presence of God as well because they begin the day by saying, is the Lord among us or not? More about that in a moment. And they end the day by saying, the Lord is our banner. The first time that statement is ever made in Old Testament history. But the primary lesson for this is that they did this together. They were a team. And I think that this has got something to say to us. It's got something to say to us as church, but it's also got something to say to us beyond church. We're hearing about media team opportunities, and, and that's wonderful. More about that later. But let's not think that ministry only happens when we do something in the context of the church. We are called to be agents of the kingdom of God 24-7, and we are not in ministry simply when we're volunteering. This is, a, this is something that's got much wider application. So if you're following in the bulletin, just follow with me. First of all here, there's a question and there's a truth. A question and a truth. Faith is often activated through crisis, service, and trusting through change. Faith is often activated through crisis, service, and trusting through change. Look at verse 7. Is the Lord among us or not? Let me ask you something. Do you ever have those nights where you just cannot sleep and the clock somehow slows down and you look at it every five? I had one of those this week at 2 a.m. I think it was Tuesday, 2 a.m. Tuesday morning, I, I woke up and I just could not get back to sleep. And this verse was swimming around in my brain. And I'm not weird, spooky. I don't hear from God 4,000 times a day. But I felt like God was talking to me about something here. These Hebrews did not say, is there a God? Notice that. They were saying, is God among us? That's different. And as I lay there at 2 a.m. and finally got up and went to my study and did the outline for this sermon between 2 a.m. and 4.30 a.m., you'll probably be able to notice that as this unfolds, I realized that 
some, some of us are pretty good at saying God loves the world, but we're not so secure in saying God loves me. They weren't saying God's not out there. They were saying, is he with us? Does anyone remember Sally Field in the 1985 Oscars? Boy, the press had a, had a, had a, a big day with that one. Uh, she, she, when she received the Oscar in her speech, she said, you like me. You really, really like me. And the press went ballistic. She was just surprised at the affirmation. I think we can be like that with God. You like me? Me? Is the Lord among us or not? I'm interested, intrigued by the truth that Jesus was propelled into ministry, Luke chapter 3, as he heard, this is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased, from the Father. I like and love you. And that's when literally the battle broke out in the wilderness. And what does Satan say? If you are the son of God. You see, the enemy doesn't mind if we believe that God loves the world. It's just a bit more troubled if we believe that God loves us, is for us, and is with us. The closing statement of Matthew 28 and verse 19, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God's with us. And then look at verse 9 as well. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. I'm noticing here that as they have a faith crisis, that they are invited into action. Faith has to be actioned in order to grow, lest it descends into being a theory. Have you noticed that? As you serve, as you give, as you bless, not only are people helped, but the muscle of your own faith develops and grows. And sometimes what that means is that we navigate with faith through different seasons of our lives. In Exodus 14, God said to Israel, don't fight. In Exodus 17, he said, fight. Now, if I'd have been there, I'd have said, excuse me, Moses. I remember the good old days when God said, don't fight. If it's okay with you, I would really prefer to just be armed with a tambourine and just watch God do the fighting. Frankly, that sounds a lot more spiritual to me. But the God who said don't fight is also the God who said fight. God was moving on. He's a, he's a traveler, if you will. The gospel is not invite Jesus into your heart, come where I am. The gospel is to respond to the invitation of Jesus, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. I'm going to go where you're going. God is with us, and he wants us to travel with him and trust him and engage our faith. Secondly, there's the power of mutual submission here, the power of mutual submission. Moses says, tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. Now, this does make me smile. Forgive me, I know I've got a weird brain, but if I'd have been Joshua, I think I'm, I'd have wanted a conversation uh, Moses, if it's okay with you, how about I do the stick-waving and you do the fighting? In fact, I feel led to do the stick-waving. But actually, instead of saying that, Joshua submitted himself to the instructions of Moses. 
I want to have that kind of attitude. You know, some Christians are passionate, but they're always right. No one can ever tell them anything. They're, they're, they're not teachable. They're not willing to listen. And the danger is as well, you can, get, you can get involved in a ministry, and then you get territorial about that ministry. You touch my ministry, I break your face. You can always tell whose ministry it is if someone says to that person, we'd like you to not do that for a while. What? It's my ministry. Oh, really? Well, if it's your ministry, you can lay it down for a while. It's a good way of testing whose ministry it is. And I want to have that attitude of submission. I know that Ephesians 5 is, is specifically referenced to, to marriage. But look at this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That mutually submitted servant-like attitude. Do we have those kind of hearts? The third thing is that God is our source and we partner with him. God is our source, we partner with him. Look at verse 11. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Something supernatural is happening here. Some commentators say nothing supernatural was happening. Moses just held up the staff and it was like a rallying point, like a flag. I don't think so, do you? I think if you're duking it out in the valley of Rephidim with the Amalekites, you don't have too much time to look up at a mountain and go, oh, I think we can win. There is a connection here. The staff represents the presence of God. It's a symbol of God's power. Joshua is introduced for the first time in the Bible. His name means salvation. The altar is built, and it's not called Moses is my standard, or even Moses' staff is my standard, but it is the Lord is our banner. And Jesus says in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. You know when I've got myself into big trouble? I've got myself into trouble when I have dreamed up my little plans and strategies, and then I come to God asking him to bless those. And thinking like, yeah, automatically, because he may have even blessed that strategy in the past, so he's, he's going to do it now, isn't he? Sometimes the blessing of God can lead you to an overconfidence. Rather, we should be coming to God and saying, what are you up to, Lord, and can I play? Can I be involved in what you're doing? Is it possible that some of us need to stop this weekend? And we are steaming full ahead and, we, and these great plans, but we actually haven't consciously stopped to bring them to God and to allow him to be our source, to bring correction and, and direction. And, and then what are we partnering with God in? Just take a little moment with me here. Why did this battle take place? It took place because God was creating a nation, Israel, to be a beacon nation for the blessing of the earth. What is the church called to be? It's called to be a beacon people for the blessing of the earth. Let me, let me just talk a, a little bit of theology and sociology for a moment. There are some Christians who are so preoccupied with changing culture, changing society, that they forget that there is also a need for the message of salvation and personal transformation. They're all about changing the world, but they've lost that, that core message that all of our hearts need to be changed. There are others over here, all they're interested in is getting people saved and into heaven. Just pray this prayer, and we're going to get out of here and go to heaven. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's not the purpose of God. God's purpose is that we are saved, that we bring some heaven to earth before we go to be with Jesus, and then we spend eternity with him. It's not either or, it's both. Cross-centered, changing our community and seeing hearts changed. And there can be this idea that heavenly-minded people are not of any earthly use. That's wrong. C.S. Lewis said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. It's a challenge, isn't it? Are we, we rushing ahead with our stuff? Do we need to bring it to God? Fourthly, we offer availability, faithfulness, and worship. Availability, faithfulness, and worship. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Do you notice that these guys, Aaron and Hur, it's a weird name for a guy, isn't it? Hur. They made themselves available. They didn't just say, Moses, we're praying for you. They stepped up and held up his hands. Some years ago, I was preaching in a church in Salt Lake City, and I'd prepared my message, but I just didn't feel right about it. And on the plane over there, I started to pray, and I felt like God spoke to me and said, I want you to speak on stepping up to the plate. And I thought, what's that? I mean, I'd not read Baseball for Dummies at that point, so stepping up to the plate, what's that? Is that catering arrangements? What's that about? I haven't got a clue. And so I couldn't figure this step up to the plate. And I'm ashamed to tell you that I went along to the church that morning and I didn't follow through. I preached my sermon I'd prepared. And we had a nice morning and, and some people became Christians and that was great. And afterwards I went out with the pastor and over dead chicken we started to talk together. And I said, um, I said, how's the church going? And he said, we're excited. He said, right now, he said, we are we're starting a new sermon series next weekend and everyone's really excited about it. I said, really, what's it called? And he said, it's called Step Up to the Plate. <laughs> Duh. And it's, it doesn't work quite as well when you say, oh, by the way. I kind of think that God wanted to get the attention of that congregation to make themselves available. Helen Keller said, science may have found a cure for most evils, but it has found no remedy for the worst of them all, the apathy of human beings. Are we offering ourselves to God? Are we being faithful? When it says Moses' hands grew, uh, were steady, one translation of the Hebrew word there is that Moses' hands were faithful or firmness itself. This came as a result of a couple of guys holding his hands up. Can you imagine that? I mean, think about it. Deodorant has not been invented. This worries me. They are staring into the armpits of Moses all day. Aaron, huh? what's your ministry in the church? Well, we're the armpit starers. There's a team of us. They are doing the ordinary and doing it well. So glad to mention our media team up there in that spacecraft. You don't see them. They don't get the acknowledgement that others 
like me, people who stand on platforms. There are hundreds of volunteers across Timberline making every weekend work. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for showing up when you don't feel like it. Thank you for smiling as a greeter when you drove your family here and your family in the car reconstructed the Battle of Armageddon. <laughs> Good job, people. Well done. And then notice relationships are important here as well. Moses didn't say to Aaron and her, excuse me, guys, I don't need you. I've got the Lord. He needed them. Years ago when I became a Christian, we used to sing this song, He is all I need. Jesus is all I need. I won't sing it anymore. Some of you are going to get mad with me saying this. You say, how dare you? Jesus is not all I need because Jesus has designed me to need more than simply my relationship with him. That's why the Bible says, how can one member of the body say to another, I have no need of you? Part of the provision of Jesus is relationships. Are there people around us who can lift up our hands and are we doing that for others? And then there's worship too here. Moses lifts up his hands. Maybe you're new to Timberline and you notice some of us, we stick our hands up. Some people stick their hand up in the air when they're worshiping and you've come along here and you thought, what are they doing? Are they asking to be excused to use the bathroom? One, if you need to leave now. Two, if you're really desperate, what's going on? No, this is the expression of our, of our worship, Psalm 63 and verse 4. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Availability, faithfulness, relationship, worship. Number five, we serve for God's glory and not for ours. We serve for God's glory and not for ours. Verse 13, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Stop right there. If I was Moses, I'd be saying, what? What do you mean Joshua overcame the army? I stood around all day with my hands up. And then Aaron and her, Aaron could have said, what about me, Aaron? What about him, her? <laughs> Thank you for getting that. I work really hard. <laughs> that took me a while. But they didn't. It was a team effort. You know, one of the tests of our, our, our service and faithfulness is when we serve God in something, and not only does no one affirm us or congratulate us, but when other people get the credit. That ticketh me off. You know, I like to tell stories, and I was over in England, and, and uh, I got some, at the end of a service, someone came up to me, I was preaching in this church, and this uh, guy came up to me, he said, that story you told tonight, he said, I've heard that story. He said, there's another preacher traveling around and he tells that story exactly and he says it happened to him. He said, I think you told his story today. <laughs> Has anyone seen that movie Alien? Where that green thing pops out of the chest? Yeah! Perfectly nice chap. I'm standing there, and I'm indignant, like, listen, sir, that's my story. There is nobody on this earth as stupid as me. It's my story. No one has got my gift of ineptitude. Do not say amen. But it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. 
at least for me, it kind of matters for him in terms of integrity because actually when you say something happened to you which didn't, it's called lying. <laughs> but it's all right. As far as me, my heart, faithfulness is being faithful when you're not noticed or celebrated or where someone else gets the credit. Last thing is this. We remember to remember. We remember to remember. Verse 14 and 15 then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. Now, the Hebrew word here means drum it into Joshua's ears or put it into his ears. Have you noticed anything strange here? Tell Joshua the story that he was in. He's the Errol Flynn down there in the valley of Rephidim, duking it out with the Amalekites, the military hero with a masculine physique not dissimilar to my own. He's in the story. So why do you have to tell him the story that he's in? And then they, they build an altar as well. Noah built altars and Abraham and the patriarchs. Why do they do this? It's because, ladies and gentlemen, we tend to remember what we should forget and forget what we should remember. And even though we're in the story, we forget. And we need to be reminded. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine here at Timberline took me and Pastor Dick Foth out on, uh, on horses. Uh, three of us, three horses, not just the one. And we, uh, <laughs> just to be clear, you look confused. And uh, I don't, I, I mean, I, I like horses, but I'm a bit nervous. They don't have a steering wheel or a brake. And, you know, I tend to grip their ears so tight, their eyes are bloodshot. I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> and we were out together in beautiful Colorado. What a fantastic place we were in. And we'd been talking about a decision that our friend needed to make. And so we stopped to rest the horses and, and uh, we built some stones. We built a little pile of stones right there out in the middle of nowhere to remember the day when we very specifically said, God, we want your direction in this decision. We want to remember this moment. And that friend was here this morning and heard me talk about this in the first service and came to see me 20 minutes ago and said, you know, I often ride by that pile of stones. It's still there. And he said, when I do, I get off my horse and I kneel down beside it and I say, God, I remember. I remember. I bring thanksgiving and gratitude. I still want your will and purpose and direction. We tend to forget. Maybe that's why, that's why we share communion, isn't it? Breaking bread. Luke 22, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Here's a question. It's a question we might want to ask God this week. Are there things that God has told us that have slipped our minds? And now we are not living in the good of what we've already learned. Are there things that we need to bring to remembrance? Uh, maybe for some of us it might be that we're going to build a little pile of stones somewhere and just put down a marker and say, God, 
at this junction moment, I acknowledge my need of you. You know, before we pray together today, there is also an opportunity that we have got, a kind of fun opportunity that we've got coming up shortly on August, Saturday, August the 24th. I want you to mark that in your calendar because ROCKED is going to happen on August the 24th. ROCKED stands for Random Outbreaks of Community Kindness. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to meet together at the Murphy Center. We're going to pray. And then our hope is that hundreds of us will go out into the city of Fort Collins and we're going to mug people with kindness. We're going to walk into laundromats and put quarters in machines for people. Our quarters. We're going to go to the hospital and give power drinks and power bars to health workers who've been on a very long shift. We're going to find creative ways to just demonstrate kindness. Now listen, some of those people are going to just say, that's weird. got my own quarters. Some of them are going to say, that's weird and great, and why'd you do that? Can I just say, not every act of kindness needs to be accompanied by a breathless presentation of the gospel. Well, actually, the reason we just put a quarter in the machine is because God so loved the world that he gave the only begotten son, and if you pray this prayer right now. <laughs> oh, freak people out. You say, are you suggesting we don't need to get the gospel out there? Yes, we do, but not every act of kindness needs to be accompanied by a presentation. Sometimes goodness for goodness sake, if you don't believe me, look at the history of the early church who cared for dying plague victims, who rescued orphans who'd been discarded on city rubbish dumps. That's how they got the attention of the world. I'm getting a bit passionate about this. Because we can join together in a world that is so often cynical, What's the catch? <laughs> and with kindness and generosity, grace, we can make a difference together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth that we can do more together than we can do alone. And we ask you as we reflect on this story prayerfully for these moments, that you will be among us powerfully. Father, I want to pray about that thing that woke me up. This idea, this truth, I believe, that some of us believe in the love of God for the world, but we struggle to believe in the love of God for us. Help us as we bow in prayer before you. As our heads are bowed, actually, all of us at times can struggle with the truth that we are loved. You like me? You really like me? All of us can struggle with that. that. Maybe that's why the apostle prayed that his friends would know the height and depth and breadth of the love of God. But some of us particularly struggle. Just, you know, it's, you tend to count yourself out when the love of God is being discussed. I would love, as the Apostle Paul prayed for his friends, it would be great for us to be able to pray that God will help us in that. And as our heads are bowed, if you especially struggle with that, can I ask you just to slip up your hand for a moment? This idea that God really loves me. 
Thank you for doing that. Put your hands down. We're going to pray in a moment. We come to you, Lord. We come to you with our availability. We want to be teachable people. Maybe even as we wait here before you, some of us are going to have conversations with friends or spouse this week about new availability or new attitude. I know, Father, that in the quietness, some of us are bringing our accumulated plans to you. And we have rushed ahead, but we stop. And again, not just in this moment, but perhaps in this coming week, we're going to very specifically lay open those plans to you. Help us to serve you when no one notices when others get the credit. Help us to remember what you've taught us. This week, Holy Spirit, would you bring to our minds lessons that we have previously learned that we've drifted away from? And finally, Lord, we pray especially for those who've indicated their struggle, they wrestle with this truth that you love them. And we earnestly pray together and ask you to grant them such a heart understanding. Whatever roots, whatever barriers are in us that make us wrestle with you and struggle and resist resting in your love. Go deep in us, we pray. Bring heart change. And let your love be the fuel that drives us to serve. Not because we're trying to earn your love, but because we are loved. We serve you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said. I'd like us to do something a little different before we leave today. Some of you looking really scared right now. You know, Timberline, when we, we, we don't often say, let's all do this, because, you know, we want people to feel relaxed and, and uh, at ease. But, you know, there are times when I think we can do something that expresses our hearts. So I want to ask you to help me out with this. Uh, in this particular scene, what was needed was that people joined hands together to become a team. Now, what I want to ask you to do, and some of you are looking at me, you're saying, I don't even know my neighbor. And now I'm going to hold their hand. Some of you are saying, I know my neighbor. Do I have to hold their hand? But I want you to wipe your hand first. In the, nothing worse than sweaty fellowship, let's face it. And, and just take the hand of that, go on, just take the hand of that person next to you. It's all right, it's okay. You can join hands across the aisle as well. Those are people that are nice. That's good. Thanks, Thanks for smiling and doing that. That's cool. We're not finished yet, however. And it says they lifted up their hands. It's good. And it said they... They held his hands until sunset, so I'll see you later. <laughs> but just, just tell and if physically, if this hurts you, please don't do this, because I don't need the lawsuit. But if you can just hold up your hands, if that's physically okay for you, and, and uh, 
Some of us are starting to feel that little trembling. And some of you are looking at me right now going, all right, enough already. Let's move on. But you see, this is church. Holding up each other's hands, sometimes when it's tiring. Sometimes when it's tough to do so. So Lord, we join our hands together. We pray for that August 24th outreach. We pray in laundromats and hospitals and other places. Kindness will be shown. May we together as a team glorify your name. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. And with great relief, they let go of that sweaty hand. Have a great day. God bless you. Prayer team are here. We can pray with you. We'd love you.